Welcome to YP Connect, a podcast series delivered by YP Gold Coast, the city's leading advocacy group which aims to motivate, inspire and connect future city leaders. In this series, we're talking to passionate Gold Coasters who are at the top of their fields, from CEOs and business leaders to entrepreneurs, academics and health professionals, representing the industries that will drive our economic success now and into the future. My name is Carla Toomer. I'm a YP Gold Coast committee member and journalist and presenter for 1029 Hot Tomato and MyGC. Together with the YP committee, I'll be bringing you six podcasts over the next several weeks, exploring everything from tourism industry development and recovery to building personal brands, pivoting in a crisis and medical breakthroughs happening right here in our backyard. The YP Connect podcast series would not be possible without our amazing sponsors, Thank you to Griffith University, Cronin Miller Litigation, GT Advisory and Consulting, PKF Gold Coast, The Gold Coast Suns and our media partners 1029 Hot Tomato and mygc.com.au. On today's podcast, I'm joined by Anya Salirad, Secretary of YP Gold Coast and a solicitor at IP Partnership Lawyers. Welcome, Anya. Thank you, Carla. It's a pleasure to be here. And our topic today is reinventing the business wheel, the most creative brand pivots to thrive in a crisis. So the COVID-19 global pandemic has put many Gold Coast businesses to the test. We've seen local businesses adapt their day-to-day operations and implement new approaches in order to survive. Many have risen to the challenge and some have thrived. One such business is Grandad Jack's Craft Distillery, who got creative and tried something new when times got tough. And joining us to speak today is David Ridden. He's the founder of Grandad Jack's, a commercial distillery in Miami that produces gins, vodka and whiskey. Prior to starting the business in 2018, David, or Rido as he's affectionately known, was involved in eight other companies over more than 21 years. Grandad Jack's is now his passion and with son Luke and wife Nikki, they all work together in the business. So welcome, David or Rido. Thanks for joining (laughs) us. Um, I'd love to get straight into it and start, like, have you always been involved in the alcohol industry? I know you've been involved with other companies. Were they all based around alcohol? Uh, No, not not always in alcohol. For the last probably um, 10 years, uh, I've been uh, around the alcohol business. We had a consulting business and events business that some of our biggest customers were brands like uh, Lion Nathan, Diageo, Cooper's Brewery, um, those, those sort of brands, Smirnoff Vodka. So I've been in and around the hospitality industry for a long time. We've had a couple of bars in the past and restaurants. So um, not uh, not forever, but for quite a while. And you're based here on the Gold Coast. Has it always been home? And what do you love about this I city? started in Sydney. But uh, the best thing I ever did was got the hell out of Sydney <laughs> and moved to the Goldie and, uh, and I haven't left since. So I, I love this place. It's, uh, it's home and, uh, and to be able to make uh, Gold Coast Spirit right beside the beach is pretty special. It's pretty amazing. And talking about that, I'd like to just start also by saying we are drinking some amazing <laughs> cocktails right now while we're chatting. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what we're tasting today? Uh, last week... Um, as we talk about change and having to change it up, obviously at the moment no one can come into our distillery and enjoy our cocktails and our spirits that we make here. So we wanted to do something that people could enjoy at home but make it really, really simple because you don't want to have to think mm. about too much, right? 
So this is our new um, take-home cocktail range. It's non-alcoholic, comes in one litre. Uh, we've got a few different flavours and we're launching new flavours in the coming weeks. So it's really, really simple. You just pair it with one of our gins. Um, this one's paired with our Two Pencils gin, our juniper-only gin, our London Dry Style. And literally, as we just did here, you can shake up a cocktail in a few seconds, a few minutes, and really enjoy it at home, which is cool. It's absolutely delicious. It's like summer fresh. It reminds me of being on a boat in Europe or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Anya, are you enjoying the non-alcoholic version? I'm, I'm loving it. It's great to have a variety of non-alcoholic drinks, and this one is just perfect for a day like this. Thank, Thank you for bringing it in. So let's get straight into it. I'd love to know more about Grandad Jack's. How did it start? Where was the idea? Um, how long have you guys been around? Uh, we, as a, as a business, we're not even two years old, believe it or not. Uh, we opened the doors to the distillery in uh, the 28th of August, 2018. Currently, we're the, the uh, fastest distillery ever, commercial distillery ever to open in Australia. We opened in eight months from the day we got possession of the building. The closest to us currently is two years. So the actual conception of it uh, happened pretty quick. Um, but it's been something I've had in the back of my mind for probably 20 years. Um, my grandfather had an amazing life story. <laughs> and um, it was something we always wanted to tell. But we were never in the position to be able to do it properly. And we thought about, you know, doing museums about his life and things like that. But it, it didn't really pan out. And then uh, we were lucky enough to sell our business back in 2017, middle of 2017, which allowed us to do something. I thought I wasn't going to do too much, to be honest, at the beginning. I thought I was just going to hang on the beach and enjoy my life. But it, uh, I got bored pretty quick. So um, we decided one night over a few drinks that we'd build a distillery. My grandfather loved having a whiskey. He drank whiskey every day of his life. He really, not too much, but just enough. And uh, he lived to 93 years old. So we reckon that it's not too harmful for him as long as you <laughs> do it in moderation, right? So um, we decided over a few drinks uh, in November 2017 that we were going to build a distillery in his honour. We knew nothing about distilleries, zero. Um, so I put the challenge to my son, who was a mechanic at the time, to um, become our head distiller and learn how to distill. So we uh, hopped on a plane to the US in uh, Boxing Day 2017. And by the time we arrived home on the 15th of January 2018, we'd um, uh, got a building. We'd started the process, we'd looked at how we're supposed to make a distillery, build a distillery throughout the US, and we started, uh, we started building it. So it's, um, it's happened really, really quick. Uh, but we had, a, we had a great story and we just stick to, our, we stick to our, our morals and we stick to what we believe in and we don't, we're really bad followers. So <laughs> um, we don't follow what everyone else does in the industry, we just do what we love. Then That's if, a great uh, story, thank you for sharing. Family businesses can be rewarding, but also sometimes challenging. How have you found building this business with your family throughout this time? Uh, you know, for us, we're very, we're very lucky. We're a close family, and, and uh, you know, I've worked for myself for over twenty years. So, and my wife is used to the to pressure and the stress that goes with it. Uh, and my son has worked in school holidays and wherever he ha he had to work in school holidays, I should say, uh, in the family businesses, whatever they were at the time. So he he's grown up around just working, and and that's um, you know we have we have a saying like you just got to work harder. That's when you run your own small business, you just got to work harder. There's no other option. So it's been really good, and I think um, through this process, you know being uh, you know being a, a 47 year old, and I'm working with a 
21-year-old distiller when we started. Um, we have a different way of living, a different culture. Um, so it's been really good. We learned really fast. So we had to we had to identify whose skills were best and we had to respect each other for what we did and what we knew and what we learned. And uh, it's been it's been fine. You know, we don't agree with each other every day, but we have the same philosophy. We really understand the brand and we've got a really focused approach to our brand. So, you know, it's it's working really, really well. I mean, there's nothing to complain about. You were getting a little bit emotional mm-hmm. earlier um, when we started talking when we started talking about who Granddad Jack is, can you tell us a little bit more about him? He's obviously a very special man. Very special, very special <laughs> man. Yeah, um, he was born in uh, nineteen nineteen. His dad passed away before he was born, so at a really young age, um, you can imagine at thirteen years old, they had a small family farm, and he was sent out to to work um, at a really young age, and he really never ever stopped working. He was never able to stop working. So for me, I look back at um, at those days and times like this where we're going through COVID, we really don't have it very hard. Mm-hmm. And back in those days, they had it pretty freaking hard. And uh, so for me, it's really important to make sure that, that we have those traditional values, that it's not about, um, you know, whatever fancy, it's not about becoming a a web designer and, or, or, you know, some IT designer making a fortune fast. That, that can definitely happen. We'd live in a different world. But I think you, you'd still need to go back to the roots. And for, for me, my grandfather taught me a lot about life, about business, about how tough you have to be to survive, especially in your own business and small business. Um. And so for me, it's, it's very close. You know, I wish, I wish we could have done it while he's still alive, but we didn't. We couldn't. We weren't able to. So um, I'm lucky to be nearly 50 and uh, and be able to do something for my family, to be able to take that legacy on. It's it's so inspiring to hear you speak so strongly about your family and it must be so rewarding now to work with your family, um, with your grandfather, um at the forefront and it is, a, I, I guess, a good segue into the, the next se- section of our discussion, which is about the challenging times that we've had. And you said he has been the inspiration and the person that sort of pushed you. Um, so I guess talk us through the challenges that you guys have faced since COVID hit Australian shores and, and what you've done to try and overcome that. Well, we've never before been shut down by a mm. government and any business I've had overnight and, and literally within a few a few minutes had a thriving business to a business that had no customers. You know, that our government shut down our business and all of our customers' businesses in a few minutes. So to, to take that in is a, is a fair bit. you got to, you know, okay, well, geez, we can't, we're going to go to work tomorrow and there's going to be no customers. How are we going to deal with that? What are we going to... And for us, it was it was bigger than that. Um, we didn't realise too much that that Sunday night when they announced it. But for us, we we're into the export market as well. So, you know, and, and we were, you know, uh, unlucky or in the wrong place at the right time or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. But you know, both our export markets, the UK and the US, have been hit the hardest. So you know, we we just didn't have our distillery not been able to open. We had, you know, orders from the UK and the US not going anymore because they didn't have any customers to sell it to our importers. So it was a, it was a compounding, really compounding, really, really fast. So, um, 
and and then it comes to your mind, you go, well, you know, we've got eight people work for us there, part time and full time, and it was like, geez, now what are they going to do? Do you mean they've they've got bills to pay? Mm-hmm, that's right. So um, we had to come up with something fast, and and really for us it was, it was we had an idea. Myself, me, and Luke had an idea to do this, you know, sanitizer. And luckily for us, my wife is uh, runs infection control at the Gold Coast Private Hospital. So we had a little bit of a someone in the family with some knowledge, which me and Luke definitely didn't have in that field. Uh, and so we put the, Luke was able to put this recipe together based on the World Health Organization one. And uh, we brought our team together and uh, on the Tuesday, and uh, literally told them that we're not going to last. Like we're, we're going to do something like now, right now, uh, and we're going to start making this sanitizer. Um, otherwise, we're not going to last a month. We've got enough reserve probably to last a month at this rate and pay everyone, but after that, we're, nothing's happening. So um, if you can imagine that point in time, Luke had overnight had, had worked night after night developing that recipe from the Monday night to Tuesday, and we got it to a point where it was, it was right, but we had no bottles, no labels, no spray tops, no nothing. Wow. So um, we just are lucky we have an incredible team that um, like worked you know, overnight, just overnight. The hours weren't an issue to them. They were all there to keep the place going. And, um, and, we, and we took the product to market in the first you know, few days we released it, we just couldn't produce enough. Um, but, um, so that's, that's a really positive story that um, unfortunately has ended poorly. But oh. um, that's not uh, something that we can control. So we just got to roll with it. We live in a commercial world. So we, uh, and we're not the only ones in that boat. A lot of distilleries started doing it to survive. Um, but, but now we, you know, I mean, literally we've gone from selling 500 litres a day to lucky to be 10 litres a day or mm-hmm. even five litres a day. So, um, and when you ramp up to that, that volume so fast to keep up demand and then the demand drops off the cliff, which it did in this case, it's, uh, you, you can't plan for that. You, we, we would have never thought that, you know, demand would drop within a 24-hour period like you'd never seen before. So, um, What is you know, the reason for the drop? I think there's a, there's a couple of main areas. I think, firstly, we had um, some large sanitizer manufacturers within Australia that were able to ramp up. Uh, and so over that sort of three-week period, they were able to catch up and ramp up. Um, so they took a lot of that, and they could produce stuff a lot cheaper than what we could as distilleries. Um, but I think the biggest impact for sure was when all the Chinese stuff arrived on the shore. We, we, would, we had importers ringing us saying they just wanted to buy a few cartons to get them through till their shipments come from China. And literally those dates that those people said they were due to get their imported product had dropped. It just went off the cliff. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, really, uh, it's a really interesting thing to, to, to be you know, on this massive low and then you get this big high because you see your team pulling together and, you know, you're seeing the sales happening. And, you know, we, as distilleries, we weren't even allowed to sell online at that point. So we had to develop. Um, Jess, who is our office manager, mm-hmm. Luke's partner, developed all of our online presence, store everything within like 48 hours. Um, so lots of things had to happen. So we're on this big high, but then all of a sudden you're doing production, we're keeping everyone on and the staff, and then all of a sudden it drops. And within a week you've got no revenue again so it's like you, you're like going up and then you're hitting rock bottom again to try and um to try and recuperate it so it's um but the support we've had from locals is really what's kept us alive after that 
You've also talked a lot about this up and down journey, but I guess one thing that's quite constant is the strength of your brand. And I've t- taken a peek at your website multiple times, and there's a lot of amazing stories about the way that you you know, have your products named after different stories. Can you tell us a little bit about the mindset and how you engaged in continual creativity in terms of building a strong brand around Granddad Jacks? Well, well, for us, um, it's, it's very unique in business you ever actually get a chance to tell. As a marketer, it's very unique you get a chance to tell a true story. Usually we're taking brands and we're making stories up around those brands. Mm-hmm, so sure. this time it's, it's very easy for us to be honest too. We literally are just taking all the stories. I have, I have a box of um, um, paperwork and documents and letters that my mum and her two sisters have sent me over the years. So any time we come up with a new brand, we, everything we do is based around those stories. So um, just last night, I was at home, I was on my second little whiskey <laughs> and I had these boxes there and I was coming up, we're just about to launch our first whiskey, approved legal whiskey. Um, uh, up until now we've released whiskey but we weren't allowed to call them whiskey because of the Australian rules. So at the end of uh, August, beginning of September we released that. So we, we hadn't had the name yet, we knew, we know what the whiskey style is but we had not the name. So after, after a couple of... Uh, whiskeys and <laughs> looking through this paperwork and reading these old stories and old letters, um, now we have the name. So that's really how it works. We don't, we're not, we're not storyboarding it. We're not, we're just reading back about our family. We're just, it's always, always going back to the roots, I My guess. grandfather's yeah. story. Yeah, we're always reading that story. What is it in here that, that makes that unique? Great. So there's been a lot of ups and downs over the past few months obviously with the hand sanitizer dropping off what have you guys done next to survive this challenging next time next has been our, our, our mm-hmm. um, cocktails take home cocktails um but but it's uh you know we've also it's allowed us to have time to to think about where we're going to go next and and understand where the industry is going now it's going to change for us in the hospitality for sure we're not going to have as many customers so we've, we've you know from a from a making sure we keep sales going right, because in any business, sales are important. If you don't have that income, you don't have anything. I always talk to accountants, you know, I think <laughs> lawyers and accountants <laughs> are, are, the, are the two people in business. If you're a business owner, they're the two people you need to tell what the outcome's going to be, not ask them what the outcome's <laughs> going to be. Because if you ask them, they'll point you in the easy way, usually. <laughs> so um, for us, it's, it's, you know, it's given us that time to, to do that and really think about the business, but also focus on getting these cocktail uh, mixes together, which we launched last weekend, which has been they've been really really successful so far, and then this week, um, you know, I've been lobbying a lot with the state government. I'm on the steering committee for liquor licensing for um, Queensland for distilleries, so um, I'm lucky enough we have some ins at a reasonably mm-hmm. high level, which helps, and so we've really been lobbying them to say, hey, we need to open. We're we're if, if you're going to open restaurants, cafes for ten people, then why not a distillery? Um, so. And then this week we got good news about we can open uh, from this weekend for twenty people. Um, so so we've been doing that, that sort of that work and the scenes. So one part of the team is all about you know creating that revenue stream. However we can do that, making sure we've got our, our content coming out, people are coming in, which has worked really well. And then the other the other the other side of the team is about what's going to happen in the future. How are we going to how are we going to manage that? And we um, you know we, we decided probably even even while we're doing the sanitizer that. For us, there's a time where we put the foot down harder. It's not the time we back off. So 
we'll we'll um, somehow I don't know how yet, <laughs> but uh, somehow we'll invest more into our marketing now than ever than we've ever done. Um, it's our plan to go a lot harder and a lot faster on our international um, business than we ever have done before. So I think there's there's, oppor- there's always opportunities, and, and as long as you can find the opportunity and be positive, then uh, then we'll then we'll make it happen. But um, you know we got some we got some real cool stuff coming from uh, from content point of view, our new ad program. It's going to be. We're very excited. Gonna, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to be. I, I, like, I was reading some of the scripts of our new ad stuff today, and I thought, oh man, this is going to be. You know, when you get that feeling, you just know that it's. It's going to be a hit. Yeah, it's going <laughs> to be a hit. So look out. We're come. We're 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 firing up. So now, uh, now we can have twenty people in the venue. We're going to um, invest every little bit we can into making sure we come out of this on fire. You've talked also a lot about these virtues of resilience and determination. During this time, I know that there's a lot of young individuals who've either lost their jobs or seeking new sectors in which they can engage in new employment. What advice do you have for our listeners who are young business professionals or even individuals who've always wanted to engage on that entrepreneurial journey? As someone who's been in various businesses for, as you've mentioned, for a few Okay, is what would you what would you suggest is that number one thing that these young professionals should be should be aiming towards? The absolute most important thing: don't chase money. Mm. Never ever chase money. If you are getting in, if you're an entrepreneur, and I, oh, like my son just me, you know, assholes about this all the time <laughs> because you know he listens to podcasts and everything, what we all do now, right? And I, and I, so do I. And uh, we hear this entrepreneur th- name all the time. And I probably because I'm a bit old school, and you know, <laughs> I grew up with my grandfather. I, I don't, I don't see myself and my son as an entrepreneur. I see us as freaking desperate people who can't get a job anywhere else. <laughs> so we just got to do the best we can with what we got, right? Um, so number one, don't don't let this word entrepreneur control your your thinking or your vision or whatever you're going to do. Don't, d- disregard it. You, you can think about that later on if you want. But the main thing is, don't chase money. Get up every morning and do what you do the best you possibly can. If you do that, money's a consequence of doing that. It doesn't, it doesn't work the other way. So just get up every morning and do the best you can. And I know it's, it's, it's easy to say when you're older, and it's not when you're younger, and I was like this when I was younger as well, that it's got to happen now, right now, today, tomorrow. Um, sometimes it does happen that quick, but most of the time it doesn't. Um, so don't, don't panic if it's not happening straight away. Um, but just believe, believe in what you what you're doing, what your focus is, and bloody stop talking about it. Just <laughs> get out there and do it. Like, th- you, what's what's the worst can happen? They're not going to hang you. They're not going to put you in jail <laughs> for for you know what some people call failing because your your idea didn't succeed or your business didn't fail. Like, you know, it's not that bad. Like, you'll you'll learn more from that than you'll learn the rest of your life. So follow your passion and throw yourself in the deep end, essentially. Go for it. Just go for it. <laughs> it's fantastic. I guess another question that also um, comes to mind is, especially during this pandemic, community on the Gold Coast has been so important. As a business owner, as someone who's, like you said, has gone through these ups and downs, how have you seen the Gold Coast community during this time? Oh, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. It is absolutely phenomenal, you know. You don't get this in other cities. I'm sure there's some other cities you get it in different suburbs. But really, if you look at the Gold Coast, we're a, we're a small city. 
Um, and the advantages of that is we, we know lots of people. You know the people in your neighbourhood. You know your next-door neighbour. And we have this attitude here of, of uh, it should be right because the sun's up and the beach is just there, mm -hmm. right? Which is good. When, it's, when things are stressful, that's a, great, that's a great thing to have. But I think beyond that, we have this, we have this like, you know, we're a small business community. We're, you know, there's more small businesses in the Gold Coast than anything else. So everyone knows the pain of running a small business. And when times come, like, come together like this, everyone, everyone understands. So we tend to just group and help each other. Um, and I know in our business, we don't spend any money outside of the, the Gold Coast businesses unless we can't buy it in the Gold Coast. And that's only a couple of things. Like <laughs> we can't buy bottles here and we can't buy juniper. Literally everything else in our business we buy from the Gold Coast, nowhere else. Um, and, and we don't care if we have to pay more because for us it's about full circle. It's about if we spend it in our community, the community can spend it back with us. And it goes around. And we see time and time again, you know, uh, people we buy stuff off come to our distillery and buy stuff off us. And then you see, and then you see just your neighbours, just your community people that you don't even know their names. Sometimes you walk down, hey, come, mate, and they wave back because you see them every morning at the beach. Those people turn up, and those people buy our spirit and they take it home and and then they tell their friends um you know and then you look after the local cafe on the street i know you know i always try and like i got my favorite coffee place right but now i know i want to go i want to buy coffee from lots of different places because i want to support everyone so i think we, we live in a really unique city like that and, and i know our business there's no way we would have got to where we are today or even survived so far from COVID if it wasn't for the locals. The locals have been our absolute stronghold. Do you wish more businesses on the coast were doing what you were doing and supporting others? Or do you think they are? Oh, not all are, but I think, I think most small businesses are. I think, I think, you know, when I say most, it's probably 90, 95% of small businesses are doing that. It's only our bigger businesses that hire lots more people that aren't. Um, and I understand why some are, because, you know, they're, they're on a lot of financial pressure as well. So they, they need the cheapest possible thing to keep going. But that's not a long-term solution. That's a real short-term gain. And I would challenge any business out there that says, I want, I want to save a dollar today so I can survive for the next five years. You're probably not going to. But if, you, if you're willing to save, if you're willing to spend a dollar more today, and you can do it, you should, because that's going to come back tenfold. Um, but I think n not everyone does that. And, and it also comes down to you don't know what you don't know. So if, if you're new in business and you don't have that experience, you probably haven't thought about that. You're, you're thinking about your own four walls. You're thinking about your own space to protect yourself. And that's, that's nature, right? You want to protect what's, what you've got. But I think the best way is to try and protect what everyone else has got. And if you do that, then it'll come back to you. It's like... It's like don't chase money building a business. Just do what you do best. It, you, people look at it, right? you've got to flip it around the right way. People, we, all, we live in this world where people got it around the wrong way. You got to, people got to understand that it's not that way. You've got to do it the other way. Give, give something to someone and it'll come back. But don't, ex don't expect a pat on the back or, a, or a, you know, they, they're going to give you something back straight away. This is, this is a long-term gig. You know I mean, you can't survive. I think on the other hand, you know, I mean, big business in, in the Gold Coast is disappointing. I think I see time and time again where big business don't support small businesses here. I'll give you a, a controversial one, and I don't mind being controversial. <laughs> right we love controversy. Um, <laughs> you know, I talked to um, Pauline Young, who's our local 
uh, Gold Coast representative, when we had all the sanitizer, we were literally at the time the only ones, the only company producing sanitizer to World Health Standard on the Gold Coast. She opened the door for us to, to get to the supply for Gold Coast City Council, which needs a lot of sanitizer, right? All the bus, <laughs> all the bus stop, everywhere needs it. Do you think Gold Coast, the purchasing department, Gold Coast, have ever come to us? Mm. Then I find out that they're buying it from an importer, which is not a Gold Coast company, which is importing it from China. So those things are stupid. Mm. And I mean, if we're talking about why, why would our council want businesses going under when if they just looked at their purchasing power and, and, and spent that money back in the community, then our community grows and they get money anyway. It's an on-flow effect. So it's coming back to what I said before. Too many people have got it around the wrong way. And that's disappointing in a city of small business. And I'm not just talking about our sanitizers. I'm talking about, you know, there's small companies here that produce a lot of different things that, you know, organisations like the council and the casino and the big theme parks, all those people could be supporting the program, but they don't. But they, you know, they're big corporates, so look at P&Ls. So it's um, the way it is. Are you on a mission to change that, do you think? <laughs> oh, I don't think, I don't think so. I've, I've, spent, I've spent the last, like, 18 months on a mission to change the liquor licensing laws, and that's, uh, <laughs> that's been difficult enough. But we're very, very close to the new, the new laws um, for artists and producers. So um, it's been worth it. It's been worth the battle. But um, So what laws are you trying to change? Sorry. We changed uh, the liquor licensing laws uh, for artists and producers. So, you know, small breweries, distilleries, wineries in Queensland. As distilleries, we've, we, um, there's a couple of crazy rules. One, we're not allowed to uh, sell online. Interesting. Even though we have a federal licence to produce alcohol, produce spirit and beer, we're not allowed to sell that online. But Dan Murphy's and First Choice and all those guys are, but we're not. Um, also, as a, we have this licence for producers called um, Producer Wholesale Licence. And this licence uh, says, it's run by OLGR, which is our licensing authority, says that we can't, as producers, sell more than 2.5% directly to the consumer from our distillery every year. We can't sell more than 2.5%. It's got to be all wholesale. So it absolutely, the licensing makes absolutely no commercial sense whatsoever. Um, so um, I started fighting them because they, they fined us because we were, did more than 2.5% directly to the public. Even though we had a liquor licence, we had all the, all the right things in place, we weren't serving minors, we weren't doing all those things, but because 72.5% of the Act says you can't sell more than 2.5%, our OLG uh, officers in Gold Coast here come in and find us. It's literally a David and Goliath battle, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So what did you do then? So uh, my grandfather always said, um, never, ever get backed in a corner. But if you are backed in a corner, you need to understand the rules so you can play the game. And that's something I've lived my life with. So I'm not someone who's super detailed. Usually I'm a big picture sort of guy, right? But if you back me in a corner, I don't agree with it. I'm going to learn more about that liquor licensing law than anyone else does. So I just read it, studied it, looked at case studies that have been happened, looked at things that have been through court and then went after them like a crazy man and didn't stop. I wouldn't stop. I, I rang ministers' offices. I, I just kept harassing every single person until they'd start to, uh, to listen. And then out of the blue one day, Minister Fendelman, uh, who's the who's state minister for small business, uh, turns up and uh, she stayed for about three hours. <laughs> it was just us in the distillery. 
Uh, we weren't open to the public. We had a great old chat, and um, from that day, she said, no, "This is not. This is not on." So um, I was, we were super lucky that we, with persistence, we um, Minister Fenderman took notice after a while, and and we came down. We joined forces, and and uh, and the good thing is though that it's not. It, obviously, it's helping. It's going to help out distillery, but there's so many other. You know, we're 25 other craft distilleries across the state who are in the same boat um, that are now going to have a much better business, going to have more more areas to sell their product. They're going to be able to hire more people in their town and their city. You know, it's great for the economy, and it's great for small business. So, um, I think just uh, it's a lesson to everyone. Just because it's a rule doesn't mean it's right. Well, you certainly do wear a lot of hats. <laughs> you have a small business, you're a local activist, a father, a husband. I guess on a personal note, how do you balance it all? I don't think I do. <laughs> um, I just love it. I just love it so much. So um, it's not, it's not, I don't even think about balance. It's, it's my life. It's the way I live my life. I think anyone who does that, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're an athlete, if you're into sport, if you're, if you're into a career that you just enjoy, it's never. It doesn't have to be a balance because that's the way you live your life. It's it's you you love it so much. It's not work. It's never. It's never work. You definitely get those days where you, you just want to go sit on the beach and chill out for a bit. And it, but that's normal, right? But um, yeah, I don't really have any balance. Great words of wisdom. Thank you so much, <laughs> David. You're so passionate. You wear your heart on your sleeve. An amazing Gold Coaster. Thank you so much for joining us Thanks on YP Connect. Me. And cheers. Let's get into these cheers. cocktails. Yeah. <laughs> cheers.